Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's August 28th, 2018, almost but not quite September. And I'm Charlie Sykes, joined by Haley Bird and Andrew Egger of the Weekly Standard. Uh, this morning, the president's tweeting again, attacking Google for biased search results. And his top economic advisor says they're actually looking at this, looking at uh, regulating online searches. Uh, flag at the White House is back at half staff after a supremely awkward 24 hours or so in which the president refused to explicitly honor John McCain's service and finally relented under pressure, including a rather remarkable letter from the American Legion. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Vatican is consumed by a new controversy after an archbishop accuses the Pope of knowing about a high-profile abuse case. And, of course, there's a primary tonight in the state of Arizona. It's like all coming together, the perfect storm. So let's start, though. I want to start, uh, Haley, um, with the trade deal or the kind of sort of uh, not quite trade deal with Mexico that the president announced yesterday. Uh, First of all, what did happen and what didn't happen? So they're sort of pitching this as um, a complete trade deal to replace NAFTA, which is just not the case. It is a preliminary agreement on a number of um, outstanding items that they had been uh, quibbling about for months uh, since they started the renegotiation process for NAFTA. Um, Things like auto manufacturing requirements, uh, minimum wage requirements in auto manufacturing, things like that. So they have made some progress, and it's important progress, and it makes an overall NAFTA deal more likely. Um, But the deadline is Friday, and there are a number of items um, that Canada... It's, it will be difficult for Canadian negotiators just to agree to whatever uh, the Mexicans and, and the U.S. negotiators agreed to because they were left out of this deal. So basically, the president is threatening, you know, if Canada doesn't get on board in the next three days, which is our deadline, uh, then we're just going to like get rid of NAFTA altogether and we'll just go with Mexico on this bilateral trade deal. Uh, okay, which, let's, let, yeah, let, let's just run, run through this this timeline. So Canada has to come to the table and make an agreement by Friday. Let's say that Canada does not, uh, you know, does not do that. Justin Trudeau doesn't does not roll over on all of this. So on Friday, does the White House then send this up to Congress, this bilateral agreement? And then what are the prospects there? So that's what they're saying. Yesterday, we were on a phone call with um, Robert Lighthizer and a senior Trump administration official. And they told us, you know, ideally Canada will be in it. And um, on Friday, they'll be able to notify that that agreement is happening. But if Canada isn't in it, then they'll notify that they have an agreement with Mexico, um, which Republicans say isn't even possible procedurally because under uh, trade promotion authority, Lighthizer initially requested authorization for renegotiating NAFTA trilaterally, not not specifically for a new agreement with Mexico. Um, so we, we have a number of Republican senators saying uh, we don't think this is even possible um, under under the process that they have undertaken for the past year. Do you talk to uh, my own Senator Ron Johnson about this? He's been uh, increasingly skeptical of the president's trade policies. What did he tell you? So he's, he he like a lot of them said that it would be impossible. Um, he also said about all we can really do is fix NAFTA and keep it as a three-party agreement. So a, a lot of Republicans sort of see this as a negotiating ploy on the president's part, um, just trying to put that pressure on Canada to agree to a lot of things like getting rid of their dairy tariffs and other things that are very sensitive politically in Canada. 
Um, it remains to be seen whether they're going to agree to those things or uh, whether the U.S. negotiators are open to uh, counteroffers from Canada. The uh, the uh, the other economic story that broke this morning was the president apparently was up at five o'clock, um, what uh, watching a taped version of Lou Dobbs's show and decided to go after Google, suggesting that Google uh, is somehow biased against conservatives because the president, who doesn't use a computer, uh, says that that he Googled Trump news and came up with all kinds of negative things, and so. Um, you, you now have Larry Kudlow saying that, you know, maybe he's just being, def, you know, just deflecting the answer, but saying it, we're, we're looking at the question of whether or not we should regulate internet searches. Now, look, I do not want to carry water for Google or Facebook or any of these other, you know, Googleopolis or whatever, <laughs> but what part of private sector don't they get? And here's an administration which is built on the whole idea of deregulation and now are we seriously going to be talking about regulating private internet searches andrew this this 96 percent figure the president tweeted out this morning 96 percent of you know all uh, trump news is left uh, is is unfair is bad um that's that's a figure that has come up through this this game of telephone that we're seeing constantly in in the white house where it's it starts off you know just sort of at the at the grassroots level of of you know, kind of guerrilla conservative media. It wasn't uh, a writer at PJ Media who you know essentially just did some googling herself um, and said you know uh, based on my extremely unscientific uh, calculation here this afternoon, 96% of all of all times you Google Trump news, the negatives uh, the the results are negative. Uh, that then gets picked up by Lou Dobbs, amplified on his show. Probably even whatever nuance was in the original thing is ironed out of it because it's a talking head on cable news. Uh, and then the president gets it, distills it down to the pure kernel, and that becomes a right-wing talking point now for from from now until the end of time uh, where you know it's 96 percent of, of all of all Trump news is is, is left-leaning and 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 you know mean-spirited and lies um, and and so that's and that just becomes part of the part mm -hmm. of our national discourse now so uh, so I guess we're gonna get a whole new round of, of Google regulation based on that uh, now could you do me a favor Andrew while I have you on the line here could you uh, could you take a moment to just check your your email inbox to see whether you got you got the email uh, to conservatives that now were in favor of this sort of legislation? I just want to know, because, I mean, somehow the bat signal goes out and <laughs> suddenly we go, yes, in fact, we do want the federal government to be monitoring what private companies do. I don't know. I don't think I'm on that email server list any <laughs> anymore. Uh, the flag at the White House is back at half staff. Let's talk about this. I It was it was a an awkward it was an awkward uh, 24 hours, to put it mildly. What? I guess let's start at the end here. Why do you think that Donald Trump relented in the end, did something that he clearly did not want to do? I mean, that picture of him sitting and sulking behind, you know, in in the Oval Office while reporters said, you know, was John McCain a hero? Are you going to say anything about John McCain? And he, and he is absolutely adamant in not answering that question. By the end of the day, though, he finally issued a statement and the flag went back to half staff. Why do you think he, well, he caved? I really think that it was the American Legion statement calling on Trump yeah. to uh, bring the flag down. Uh, that really was the tipping point on all of this. You know, there was a lot of pushback um, in media and uh, congressional Republicans even said, you know, you should be respecting him. But the American Legion itself, which is, you know, a lot of them support Trump. Um, they they called on him, you know, John McCain served our country you need to do this. And so I, that came, I think, maybe an hour or two before. And I saw a report that Sarah Sanders was 
you know, 99% behind this decision. But um, I, I really do think that was a tipping point there. Yeah, I mean, there was, I, I do think that American Legion letter was important. Also, probably some of the grown-ups telling him this is playing out really, really badly. The, the essentially the split screen, uh, the the farewell, the very, very eloquent uh, farewell letter that uh, John McCain had had written, and and you know, all of the the memories of him. And then you had that picture of uh, of a scowling, pouting. Uh, Donald Trump refusing to acknowledge it. It's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard for a president who has wrapped himself in, you know, support for the veterans and, and who has made a huge issue of symbolic gestures of support for veterans. I mean, what is the whole NFL player issue other than saying that, that those, those rituals, those, uh, those symbolic, uh, you know, efforts, um, actions, you know, matter a great deal. But again, you know, at, at the end of the day, you go, you know, this didn't have to be this hard. I well, mean, Charlie, it did, it did I, not I, have to be this difficult. And, and I think I could give you a few alternate theories for for what is behind the president's uh, continued battering of the the NFL <laughs> protests issue, yeah, sure. rather than just you know his his own deep respect for the troops. No, I would love to hear that. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that's what he claims it's all about. Right, yes, right. I mean, I, 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 no, I, please don't think that I'm, I'm accepting that at face value. No, it's, it's, it's obviously uh, very, very convenient for him. But you know, I guess uh, I, I continue to be just struck by this. And I was talking to Bill Crystal about this: the, the contrast between country first and America first, or this notion that Donald Trump is, you know, the warrior for America, when in fact John McCain was literally a warrior. And Donald Trump is literally not a warrior. And it is not a contrast that I think that he wanted to uh, to make, but he, he could not help himself. And these stories about John Kelly going in and you know, essentially, you know, you know, arguing with him and pleading with him, you know, to uh, to you know, do the presidential thing and him refusing to do it. It was a completely once again, a completely self-inflicted wound, but of course, won't make any any difference whatsoever yeah, and uh, on, the, on the subject yeah. of the on the subject of the delay specifically i think right. I, I think that you know it, it, you're you're right that you know a lot of times that the president is resisting you know kelly and others and and, and we and we do see him you know we, we've sort of come to see him as pretty much immune to a lot of the the regular laws of politics where he can sort of just like do a, a crazy thing and just sort of like will it into acceptability in the in our political discourse um, but at the same time you know you you do see this kind of thing from time to time where where he carves out a stance that is that is so outrageous and so you know just sort of beyond the pale that 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 there, there are really no upsides for the administration mm-hmm. there's there's no way for his supporters to really go on the on the offense about it. They can only really play defense and damage control. And in those sorts of situations, those are the kinds of things that that the people around Trump, you know, Kelly and others, they sort of save up their own capital with the president for for things like this. So we saw that we saw this after, you know, Charlottesville or we saw this um, with the with the family separations policy where, you know, there's a there's a lag period at which the president's just obstinately digging in his heels, um, and you know everybody around him is telling him, you know, this is not good. This is not playing the way you want it to. Everyone on Twitter is saying this is not good. This is not playing the way he wants it to. And eventually, uh, on on some of these things that are really beyond the pale, he will cave, uh, at least momentarily. But then then obviously, frequently later, uh, right. you'll 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 see him him you know take mental note of the fact that he kind of got forced into this thing, and then he'll just be right back to talking about how. Uh, you know how he saw it and how it really wasn't fair that he was made to do it this way. So it's uh, it, it's it's nice to see that they caved that they were, that they made this respectful gesture. Uh, 
I would not be at all surprised to see Trump bring up McCain in in the same old dismissive way uh, again in the future. Although well, I certainly I, hope that doesn't happen. Especially because you know, in much of the social media world that that he apparently gets many of his uh, ideas from, um, bashing John McCain has become. Uh, uh, has become very, very popular. Uh, there's a there's a very depressing story in the Washington Post about uh, you know some of the things that have been happening on social media. You didn't need to read it in the Washington Post, by the way. I know that both of you are on social media like I am, and it is uh, it is I, I mean it is depressing to just wade in, even for just a, a short period of time, to see just the the vicious attacks on John McCain and and what apparently has become acceptable to say this whole culture of celebrating um, or reveling in the death of someone you disagree with is probably certainly one of the ugliest things that's happened to American discourse. And, you know, the number of people willing to say, okay, I disagreed with John McCain about X, Y, Z, you know, but he's a great American hero there. Obviously that's, I think the majority opinion, I mean, I'm among conservatives, but um, there's no question about it. Uh, there's still a, a huge amount of, of, of anger and, uh, uh, much of it stoked by by Donald Trump that somehow, you know, trashing Donald Trump is I mean, sorry, trashing John McCain is somehow an, an act of loyalty to Donald Trump. But I think your analysis, Andrew, was exactly right. Now, speaking of you, you uh, you you brought up the uh, the crazy um, uh, the, the problem of crazy in American politics today, which, of course, is a perfect segue to talk about the Republican primary today in Arizona, <laughs> uh, the three way primary where. Apparently, the crazy vote is being split between uh, Kelly Ward and Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Give me a sense of what's happening down there and what the stakes are. Yeah, thank thank God for small mercies is sort of the uh, the 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 read that, that we have on it here, where where it is, you know, uh, six six months ago, basically, uh, it's it's Jeff Flake's Senate seat that's that's up for up for grabs because Jeff Flake is obviously uh, retiring uh, to more peaceful climate, um, and uh, and so. His original challenger, when when he was still thinking of running again, was was Kelly Ward, who's this uh, this state legislator uh, in Arizona, former uh, or I guess still current position, um, you know, real sort of rock rib conservative firebrand, um, really you know uh, stringent on immigration, things like that, really big supporter of the president, and who also happens to. Uh, have a long history of making unfortunate statements about people like John McCain, really, really just kind of narrow, like narrow minded focus on getting herself in, in Congress. You know, when, when McCain got first, uh, it was announced that he was battling brain cancer. She like got on uh, the radio and said, well, I, I think uh, he should probably resign. And I think the governor should probably appoint me <laughs> to take yeah. his spot. And, and Andrew, Andrew, can I, can I just uh, interject here that, yes. that yes, the Kelly Ward is just a thoroughly repugnant human being. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a, it certainly seems that way from 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 some of the things that she's she's been saying here, and and then at the same time, you know, she's she's sort of gone out of her way to to court uh, the the kook vote, as it were, you know, uh, touring with t- Tommy Lauren and uh, Mike Cernovich, uh, the the famous you know Pizzagate uh, truther, um, and 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 the reason why she has been you know so uh, so so pushing so far to her own right uh, is because of the other crank in the race who is. Uh, he of of fame, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who we all know as as the former sheriff of Maricopa County, who uh, who was held in contempt of court for uh, for his ridiculous policies and, and inhumane treatment of people in his prisons and his tent cities and camps, um, who got a, a pardoned by the president because uh, I still don't really know why that happened, but of course it happened because we live in our current uh, climate. Um, and then the the third candidate who is is likely. 
to to win tonight. You know, insofar as anything can be likely uh, in 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 current year, uh, is is uh, is McSally, Marv McSally, who is um you know she's she's currently in Congress. She's she's a representative. She's running for uh, Senate now. Um, she's she's really collected you know all the all the big picture. Uh, endorsements you know mcconnell and his people are, are hoping to get her in um not because she's any like squish exactly but bec- just, mostly just because she's not you know a total crank um and actually stands a chance of beating uh the the democrats in cinema uh, in november um so we'll you know we'll see what happens i mean there was there was a lot of anti-flake sentiment uh you know because he took on the president he's been an, an anti-trump republican there is no real market for that in Arizona right now. So he was not going to win again. Uh, Ward got a lot of early capital by being the first one to bludgeon him on that. But once he got out of the race, she has not done a very good job. She, I mean, she, she's she's tried her hardest uh, to, to essentially lump McSally right in there with Jeff Flake. Um, but but she, I mean, she, she isn't like Flake because she doesn't Oppose yeah. the president, and that's really all that people care about. I mean, that's the reason they didn't like Flake, and that that just doesn't stick to McSally because she she is not out there, you know, just like bad mouthing the president every day. Um, so that's that's what's likely to happen tonight. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to to follow that as it goes through. You, you know, the, Arizona is such an interesting state politically when you think about it. That John, John McCain holds the seat once held by Barry Goldwater. You know, the, the role that Arizona has played in the modern conservative movement is is really quite striking, but also in the transformation of the conservative movement that uh, you have, uh, you know, two of the most independent members of the Senate, John McCain and Jeff Flake, who are um, leaving the scene and who knows what they're going to be replaced by. Do you have it? Uh, Haley, do you have any sense of who the governor might be inclined to appoint to to uh, to John McCain's seat? I have no idea. No one has any idea. Um, there's we there's can been a lot of speculation, yeah. <laughs> but he said that he's going to wait until um, all of the funeral services and and things like that are finished, out of respect for McCain before he appoints someone, and then that person will serve, I believe, until 2020, when a special election will be held. It's a really uh, tricky. It's a tricky choice because um, I, I I think that I. I don't think that uh, Governor Ducey is a, is a Trumpist, but given the the tenor of Republican politics in uh, in Arizona, it's, it's not likely that he's going to appoint a Jeff Flake or a John McCain like person. Um, what if he? But, yeah. What if he literally appointed Jeff Flake? <laughs> no, I don't know whether I speculated about that on the podcast or not. I was thinking that that would be the biggest screw you in the world. <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, it would be it would be pretty dramatic, but. Essentially, he'd be be blowing himself up. Now, is is Ducey uh, up for re-election this year? See, I should know these things. Uh, Andrew, do you know that? No, I don't. Yeah, no, he, but I mean, there's no question about it. You you do something like that, and uh, that will determine your fate in in Republican primaries. Okay, I want to talk about what's going on with the church as well. But the Daily Standard podcast is brought to you by, this seems awfully timely again today, is brought to you by ExpressVPN. With all of the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where your data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk because you are being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile or internet providers. Not only can and do they record your browsing history, but they often sell it to other corporations who want to profit from your information. Well, that's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, or your tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. The... uh, 
the, the, the VPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and by hiding your public IP address. And if you are accessing the internet uh, in, in, in public uh, or in public Wi-Fi spots, um, you understand how vulnerable you are if you don't have a VPN. And ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So again, if you don't want to hand over your online history to your internet provider or data resellers, ExpressVPN is the answer. So you can protect your activity starting today, and and you can find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash standard. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash standard for three months free with a one-year package. Express that again, visit expressvpn.com slash standard to learn more. Okay, let's talk about uh, the, you think the, the president's got problems? The Pope has problems. Former Vatican ambassador to the United States accuses Pope Francis of covering up misconduct by um, the former Cardinal of Washington, D.C., and then called on him to resign, which, of course, is setting off a firestorm in the Catholic Church, which has already been embroiled in this scandal. Now, there are some folks that are casting, some folks in the media are casting this as uh, as, as a, a sign of the division between you know, hardline conservatives and the more liberal Pope. But it really does come down to, um, is this allegation credible? Did Pope Benedict, the former Pope Benedict, did he in fact uh, sanction uh, former Cardinal McCarrick from Washington, D.C.? And uh, um, was there a slow walking on the part of the Vatican of these allegations? So uh, who wants to take this? I mean, how, I mean when, when you actually have calls for the Pope to resign, you know that we're in a— um, uh, that this scandal has gone has become radioactive for the Catholic Church. I mean, yes, uh, it's I, I'm I'm not Catholic. Uh, I, I know many people who are Catholic who are sort of just floored by all of this. I mean, it's 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 really sort of tempting and and you know al- almost always, especially you know when when something gets funneled through through the media sphere because we all in media are sort of conditioned to look at these things as like a, a horse race and a balance of power thing. And, you know, who, who comes out on top of this, who comes out, you know, the worst for this. Um, and it's sort of tempting to filter it all through that sphere. Um, and I, I know a lot of people are doing that. Um, and obviously there, there will be, you know, repercussions in terms of, you know, how this shapes church policy uh, going forward. I just know a lot of Catholic, all the Catholics that I know are basically just kind of reeling They're I mean, they, they, yeah. It's 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 a really it really a, it is a gut punch, you know. I mean, I was I was actually on Bill Maher's show a week or so ago, and I said, "Listen, you know, look, th- this is going to hit me a lot more than it hits you." I mean, you're you know, let's face it, you don't like the church to begin with, mm-hmm. but if you actually think the church is important, that it plays a unique and indispensable role in in the in the world, then then this is this is profoundly uh, disillusioning and disheartening, and and now. To suggest that the Pope himself might have, in fact, covered up sexual misconduct by a cardinal, um, this does take it to a whole different level, and it is a gut punch for Catholics. Right. I, 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 I'm hearing that the Pope is is not responding. Is it says he won't dignify uh, this letter with any sort of a response. That doesn't strike me as necessarily the most effective strategy, given given how deep and widespread the concerns are about what's happening in the church. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's you you again. I mean, that's not the response that the you know the the Pope would have given if they'd hired you know some some crack PR firm to to 
you know, workshop something, and maybe they did. I don't know how this all uh, fits together, but it's 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 a tough time. I think there's there's really two different uh, things that are that are the the real uh, outcomes of this. I mean, and one is just that it's 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 really tough because you know we're we're sort of at a moment just politically right now, and I know that politically is not the the, the chief concern of the church, but but the church itself, the Catholic Church, is at a very vulnerable point in terms of you know its its social mission, the things that it does you know charitably in in America. It's you know just to, to take one example of Catholic adoption services, Catholic hospitals. These are these are things that do a lot of good in America that are that are actually being sort of waged war against politically uh, by by sort of people on the social left who who think that you know it's it's uh, Catholic adoption services should have to close shop because they won't place children in in single sex homes or Catholic hospitals should be compelled to perform abortions or you know uh, administer contraception things like that um, and you, you know these these things that the church provides these these adoption ser- services these hospitals things like that they're they're extreme public goods in America you know there are a lot of people a lot of places uh, where you know there aren't other hospitals or you know places to get care but for these sort of uh, these these programs that the church runs and you know that's this only obviously undermines the church's own ability to stand firm for their own beliefs because it just i mean it, it exposes at least some in the church as wild hypocrites when it comes to these these beliefs at exactly the moment when they need to be able to make that appeal that you know the obviously all of you guys out there in, in in political world don't agree with these beliefs, but these are our deeply held, sincerely yeah, held religious exactly, convictions, yeah. and so that's really tough. Um, and no, at I, the same, you know, that that's, and then you know, at the same time, you know, it the 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 like I said, my my Catholic friends are sort of floored by all of this. They're sort of reeling from all of this, but but um, you know, the, the the people who actually see the church primarily as a, a spiritual institution, primarily as, you know, not just like this this organization of like people who fight for these specific policies, but actually as right. like the church of God. I mean, obviously they do draw comfort from that, that this is, you know, this is a, a huge failing. The, the Catholic Church has had enormous failings before. Um, they, they they think that, that God will work through this and, and, and allow it to recover. And I think that we, I mean, again, I'm not Catholic, but I certainly hope to, to see the the, the, the the Catholic Church move through this and, 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 and emerge stronger. I, I hope so as well. I'm, I'm a Catholic. I'm not a great Catholic. I'm actually a pretty lousy Catholic, but I do think this is at a reform, uh, reformation um, style crisis. I mean, at the level for the Catholic Church. Uh, Haley Bird, what else should we be watching this week? Uh, by the way, just breaking news, a new Wisconsin poll by uh, Suffolk University um, suggests that uh, Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin's in better shape uh, than uh, Republican Scott Walker. Uh, Walker and uh, Tony Evers are pretty much statistically tied. Uh, Evers at 46%, Walker at 44%. The poll has Tammy Baldwin at 50% um, over Republican Leah Vukmir's 42%. So it is interesting that uh, in, in a state where there are not a lot of people who are splitting their ballots, ballots uh, Walker's even, but looks like Baldwin is ahead. And that, by the way, strikes me as uh, as, as as right. So, Haley, what, what else should we be watching uh, the next uh, next couple of days before we go into the long uh, we- uh, holiday weekend? Um, so there is some co- uh, confirmations in the Senate happening. Um, it's, it's sort of slower on some fronts, but uh, there's also, <clears throat> excuse me, th- there's this push that I think is really interesting in the wake of John McCain's death that Chuck Schumer and Jeff Flake are leading uh, to rename the Russell Senate office building after John McCain. Um, and it, it's a really interesting proposal. There's only three Senate office buildings. 
Um, <laughs> and so I, I was just trying to gauge some support among members for that last night. And a few of them, uh, a few Republicans were willing to say, yeah, that's that's a great idea. I would support that. Um, but others were sort of careful about it. And I'm not sure um, what considerations they're taking into account here. Um, Mitch McConnell hasn't you know, expressed his support for the idea yet. There's other ideas on the table, too, for honoring uh, McCain, um, like naming the Senate Armed Services Committee hearing room after him, things like that. So I, I think those ideas are definitely worth watching uh, this week because people are sort of uh, tossing them around, trying to decide what would be the best fit. It, it, it is interesting to have the uh, the Democratic leader of the Senate proposing uh, renaming a the Senate office building for a Republican senator. I suppose that is that's very McCain-like in a lot of ways. Richard Russell, of course, was a notorious uh, white supremacist, Southern segregationist. Uh, but and we're in the middle of uh, one of those all time this, guys. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of that going around here, including things that are still named after Woodrow Wilson. But let's not go that way. Uh, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it very much this morning. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we will do this all over again. <laughs>